I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. Never meant to make your daughter cry. I apologize. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producer, spinning the one and twos, 877-37-GRIND is your number. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro to Bell Tequila Studios. All right, so um, speaking of maybe Bill Belichick being discriminated because of his age and being shut out because... Um, now we've only really got one job open left, and that's the commanders, correct? If I'm not mistaken, everything else is pretty much filled. That's correct, unless well, anything opens up. Right, in case if you know we, there was some mystery teams that had current coaches that wasn't looking to make a change, but was and, kicking and the tires on the, Bill. The, the pending, you know, does Andy Reid retire? Does Andy Reid not retire? And maybe that could be the thing that Bill's waiting for. Like he's maybe he's not willing to commit to anybody because. Ultimately, he sees that as the the quickest option to thirteen wins. He and and ownership too for the Chiefs might see that as well. If we have to go from Andy Reid to anybody else during Patrick Mahomes' prime, Bill Belichick's not a bad guy to go to. And in my opinion, with that scenario, I, I don't see Bill Belichick going to Kansas City after Andy Reid. And because I know this is about 13 wins, and, you know, it, even if he never gets the 13 wins passing Shula, no one's going to really look at him different. I think it's been on record that, that for the sources that are close to him that he wants to get that done. But the reason why I don't think he would take that is because if Andy Reid would tire, and, and from everything I'm hearing, it's like done a 180 in the last three weeks. It don't sound like he's looking any close to walk away, regardless of what happens on February the 11th. But if Bill Belichick would take over, let's just say hypothetically that Andy Reid would step down, and Bill would take over, and he would go, "What? I mean, in in the in the times that we have, not all of us, because I haven't been, but for the times that the majority has been Super Mario Brothers on his head, like boink boink, about Tom 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 this." What credit is anybody going to give him if he goes and wins the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes? I mean, yeah, it'll add one to his trophy game. You can't take it. He can maybe surpass, you know, Shula in one season or maybe a season in three weeks, a season in a quarter. But I believe that, look, Bill is human. He bleeds just like all of us if you cut him, if you cut him. He's going to bleed red. He doesn't bleed purple. He doesn't bleed, you know, Patriots. It's going to be red blood. And the reason why I say that is because he is a competitor. Um, as much as he's not in and his age might be disconnected with exactly how social media works or what's out there, he doesn't need to be. He He's heard the rumblings, okay, because you can't hide it. So I think that if Bill at his age, because uh, what, he's 73, I think it is, right, 73, 74? He's uh, around there. It, 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 you know, if he's going to not ride in the sunset and he's really going to chase this 13 wins or another Lombardi, Part of that is what burns in him to show that I'm the one that developed Tom Brady. I can do this with the right roster and the right quarterback. Going to Patrick Mahomes is just going to add more fuel to the fire to those quote unquote Bill Belichick haters. And I don't and I don't see Bill at this stage because I don't think he has nothing else to prove. But obviously, I think this is probably more even about the record than the ring. But even with the record or whatever, the narrative that would be if he would take a gig like that, even if it would come available. I don't see him doing that. I, I don't see him doing that. Uh, but the bottom line is, speaking of Bill Belichick, uh, to my point, um, the senior bowl is going on. 
and you know Jerry's down at the Senior Bowl. Um, you know, it's a very selective few owners that take time to go into the Senior Bowl, but Jerry has a big say so on talent, or who they're going to draft, who they're not going to draft. So it makes sense why he's there. Well, while he was there, he was talking to reporters, and you know, again, the Mike McCarthy subject comes up. And, you know, automatically he's kind of just said, hey, I haven't talked to anybody, didn't interview, didn't inquire about anybody except my own coach that I've gotten, paraphrasing kind of what he's saying. And he answers and goes there and he automatically goes to the Bill Belichick part. Just saying, oh, I know Bill very well. I know him real well. And without a doubt, I could work with him. I know I could work with him. Without a doubt. Um, yeah. Okay. Show it to me. Because the bottom line is, is that more than ever, more than ever, this was the perfect opportunity after three years in. Can't get over the hump past the divisional round. This year, pretty much one and done. With Bill Belichick out there, if there was ever a time and you know him personally and you, without a doubt, you know you could work with him, you would have made that call, man. That's my opinion. Now, I agree with Adam Scheffner's reporting over this past weekend, over conference championship weekend, that if Bill Belichick is not named the head coach of the Washington Commanders, which most likely I don't think he will be, then he is going to loom all next season over any team that is struggling. Any team that looks like they're going to make a coaching change come after week 18 of the 2024 season, Bill's going to be looming over like the state puff marshmallow man in Ghostbusters. Just a big old cloud like, oh. Now, if that's Dallas... And that's, you know, Mike McCarthy, of course, that would be the now that Jerry's put it out there. And maybe this is one of Jerry's ways, because he also said, oh, we're all in on 2024. We're everything uh, all in. OK. All right. And I, I was raised to respect my elders. OK, so I'm trying to be very respectful, but it's it's silver tongue devil salesman type of stuff. Jerry spitting out because this was the it's not like, you know, Mike McCarthy's first year. Oh, man, we won these games. We came back to win the East. Oh, we're one and done. We got sent home with the Packers. No, this is his third year. And I've been saying in the National Football League where we're heading, where we're heading, excuse me, and where we're at, not everybody's getting four or five years anymore. It's three. It, the th the three-year mark is real. Like, if you're not showing improvement by your third year and really competing for a division title or a playoff spot, most likely these owners are going to make changes because their fan base and their customers, which are the fans that buy the tickets, buy the jerseys, whatever you want to say, they are nowhere near as patient as times before. The world we live in is no longer has the patience that there were in this world 20, 30 years ago. OK, so to me, without a doubt, bringing it back full circle, it was the prime opportunity. If you really are talking about that and you really about that Bill Belichick life and oh, we could work together, then you know what? 
you would have talked to him. And maybe they did talk. Maybe he's just sitting there because what he's going to say, yeah, I called Bill. I mean, there was already reports saying that there was current teams that had coaches that were still inquiring about Bill Belichick. So he could be lying and saying that, oh, I never talked to nobody to my coach, but he really did. And that's his right if he wants to keep that to the vest. But I'm not buying this whole, yeah, without a doubt I could work with them. I don't believe that because if that's the case, you, you, you probably could have made a change if it's so desperate or we're so much all the way in. You know, because the truth of the matter is there's nothing really guaranteed, you know, from a standpoint of Mike McCarthy that this is going to improve and they're going to take the next step next year. It really it, it, it and it's not. And let me tell you something. Winning the division of the NFC East that I mean, I'm not going to sit there and poo poo. That's nothing. But come on. That's not really what they're playing for. Everybody and their mama takes turns. It seems like winning that damn division. So. To me, this is about getting to a conference championship game minimum and probably a Super Bowl. But I just thought that was great. Now, he also alluded to that, and I don't know if it's true reports that he did, the whole DAC extension stuff, it sounds like he's bunk, you know, kind of pausing the brakes on that. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, you know, because DAC is going to be up for another extension here pretty soon. 877-37-GRIND. So we've got uh, who we got on Facebook. Like We've got Tony checking in. Um, he says, Jerry Jones is an idiot. He should have already fired Mike McCarthy and Dan Quinn, owner or not, until he lets someone come in and run the organization from an unbiased point of view, then it's always going to be the same, a decent regular season and a disaster in the playoffs. Um, and Tony's been listening to me for a long, long time, and Tony has had been very consistent with these takes. And, and the reality is he's not breaking news. I'm not breaking news. That is what it is. Then the only thing I can say, I said this coming in after that wild card loss to the Packers. I just said, hey, you know, despite what I think about the organization and how much I've never liked anything to do with Cowboys, it's like only been like maybe two or three players that have played in that uniform in my lifetime that I really liked and didn't probably really like when they were playing, but after post. I still felt a little sorry for Dallas Cowboy fans because you're you're in a situation where the guy who owns the team is really the problem. It's 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 more of a problem than even a Mike McCarthy, uh, you know, a Dak Prescott, Dan Quinn. That's just reality. Now, with that said, it also goes to what I preach though is the silver lining that I would tell Dallas fans. It's not gonna make you feel better every time you hear him talk. Speaking of Jerry, but there's at least he wants to win. There's a lot of owners, man, I keep saying they really don't care if they win or lose. They just care as long as they stay in the black and don't go in the red. The problem with Jerry, and I've said this a hundred times, Jerry just wants to do it his way on his terms. That's the problem. And I believe he's going to go to his grave trying to do that. And if he doesn't, hey, at least he got three of them. I mean, that's just basically where it is. But I just thought it was kind of a little bit comical that he was, oh, yeah, for sure I could work with Bill. Okay. All right, man. But the truth of it is, now that he's put it out there, like I said, that's going to linger all over Dallas all next season. Bill Belichick, if he don't get the commander's job, which, I mean, I at this point I'd be very surprised if he does. Um, now, that could change because I do believe maybe the commanders had Ben Johnson on his sights, and I think maybe that's one of the groups that maybe he rubbed the wrong way with his asking price, and maybe they're going to plan B, and maybe plan B is Bill Belichick. I don't know, but I'd be surprised. But if he doesn't get a job and he sits out, because can you see, is Bill going to go do TV? 
No. You know, now I understand that Bill's got a different personality besides the guy you see has to meet the media every Monday too. Like, oh, we're on the, we're on the Kansas City. You know, I do think there's a personality to him. Hell, I saw him on college game day and the Army-Navy game. I mean, he put on one of those old 1920 leather hats for Navy and kind of joked around. He's got some – but is he going to go do TV? No, he's not. So he's going to be lingering. Just because of Jerry Jones' comments, he's going to be lingering over this franchise the whole 2024 season if he doesn't get the commander's job this year. Eight seven seven three seven ground. What do you got? Well, I want to go back really quick to Jerry's comments about going all in because mm-hmm. that carries um, an, another story alongside it was that he's not committing to Dak long term yet, and that's part of going all in on next season because he's not worried about future contracts. He's worried about being able to spend and maximize the opportunity next year. Mike McCarthy going into the final year of his contract, maximizing next year. And he said, you'll be surprised to see how we spend you know, on players and who we put in money into and who we don't, because this is all going to be about next year. What do you think about that? What that kind of leads to the organizational standpoint? I mean, you say, okay, well, what if the, you know, maybe the, the temperature t- turns up on McCarthy midseason next year? But if so, as as you talked about in the summer, that the Dallas Cowboys were preparing for a complete rebuild in 2025, based on the way the contracts were all structured. Um, I mean, you're talking maybe you get to hold on to two stars. Trayvon Diggs signed a new deal. Uh, you got Micah Parsons still under his contract, and then you got C.D. Lamb. So that's really kind of all you're able to hold on to, and then you get to just clean slate rebuild. Uh, so what do you think about the all-in notion, though, in terms of I'm not investing past 2024. I'm not looking at 25. It's this season. Well, first of all, I would have to say, you know, he is the older, so you'd have to you'd have to take him, you know, with a grain of salt what he says. But I would have to first ask, what is Dallas cap situation going to be? I mean, how much can they really, other than draft picks, I mean, how much can they really improve this roster based when he says, oh, you'll be surprised with some of the money where we spend and where we won't. Now, what that could mean also, when you look at their cap situation, when you tell me, it could also mean like we're going to go talk to certain guys about reconstructing their contract. But who could that be? It can't be Dak. He's coming in like his final year. You say you ain't worried about the future. You worry about this. Um, CeeDee Lamb ain't got paid yet. He's still on a rookie deal. Uh, Michael Parsons ain't got paid yet. He's still on a rookie deal. So and, and and now that I say that, I bring that up. Like that's why I'm saying this guy here. I, I look. I got a lot of respect for him because, like I said, he danced with the devil when that team was losing a million dollars a month at that time. He danced with the devil, and I'm always gonna side with the guy who's got skins in the game. Anybody can ride coattail, but do you have skins in the game? Are you willing to basically make it out of nothing, as they say, get it out of the mud? Well, Jerry got his out of the mud, literally, with that oil money. But with that said, I've always got respect for him. But he's full of crap on this. because, And again, and you know what it is? And sometimes I feel like it's just Dallas fans, a certain part of Dallas fans, you know, bitching and complaining. They just say that. But, you know, when they say, oh, man, but yeah, he gets us. He says all this. We hype it up. We got six primetime games, five, and this is the year that we all get. And the truth of the matter is, he knows y'all going to eat it up. He tells you what the Dallas fans want to hear. But if you break it down reality, despite what their salary cap is, who in the hell is he really going to talk about what we're not going to spend or who we're going to go spend in money? Because first of all, even if let's say they've got $50 million in caps money, $40 million in cap money, or they make some moves that create that much, you got to take in-house first. 
What, you're going to go sign some free agent? Are you going to sign somebody? Okay, then what about Michael Parsons? That's going to be a record-breaking defensive contract because if Dallas don't give it to him, somebody is. CeeDee Lamb. I mean, when you look at a situation where we'll look at the C and he's kind of a little bit long in the tooth compared to CeeDee Lamb, but when you see whatever Mike Evans decides to settle on, whether it be Tampa Bay stand, go to Kansas City, go, well, let's see where that bar, and then you start looking at, okay, um, off the top of my head, Michael Pittman for the Colts. He's young, coming up for a contract, and I'm not even that big on Michael Pittman, but he's coming up for a contract. Justin Jefferson, uh, Jamar Chase. So when you talk about that, that puts C.D. Lamb in a certain category where if he's your best target, you're going to have to pay him. So the whole notion that he's about to go out and make it rain in free agency, I don't even think he can, regardless where they're at in cat space, because you still got to take it home. You've got guys, forget Dak, you've got guys that are supposed to be the core and C.D. and especially Michael Parsons, they got to eat first. That's a bunch of crap he's spewing down there at the, at the uh, Senior Bowl. Come on, man. 877-37-GRIND. You listen to the Sports Grind. Today's show is being presented by Dos Equis. We are broadcasting here for the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. We'll be back. Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports crime. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind are you moving around the greater san antonio area choose the storage experts tiger moving and storage whether you're moving an office or the whole family tiger moving and storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient prompt and cost-effective service to learn more and to secure your portable storage container today go to choose tiger.com tiger moving and storage official sponsor of the sports grind Olympic torch flaming, we burn so sweet, the thrill of victory, the agony defeat, we crush slow, flaming deluxe slow, poor judgment day coming. All right, back here on the sports grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark. Today's show is being presented by Dosecchi's. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Pendleton Whiskey. Pendleton Whiskey is an oak barrel aged whiskey distilled in Canada using the finest ingredients before bottling glacier fed spring waters added from Mount Hood, Oregon's highest peak. Also, Pendleton Whiskey delivers an uncommonly smooth taste and rich complex flavor. And keep in mind, Pendleton Whiskey is the official spirit of the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association and the official whiskey of the professional pool riding tour the pbr velocity tour and it's an official whiskey of the sports grind and official sponsor of the sports grind 
All right, so uh, keeping it moving here, uh, checking in with Matthew Rayner before we move on. Uh, Matthew Rayner's checking in Facebook Live, and he says that Jerry Jones is the best owner in the league, hands down. Um, that's opinion-based. I mean, if you want to say that, I think what would be more factual than that, Matthew Rayner would say that he's probably the owner that has done the most that's still active and living right now that owns a team for the league than anybody else. I think that's fact. I mean, from really when you talk about the money aspect of what the league generates. But to sit there and say he's the best owner, I mean, that's just your opinion. I mean, but I think it's more fact to say that he's the owner that's probably done the most for the league where it counts from a revenue standpoint than anybody else. What do you got? I have a hard time giving him the best owner tag, too, because um, as Tony had said before on, on the Facebook, and um, his Facebook comment, um, a good owner knows how to hire good people below him. And I'm not saying that he hasn't hired a good head coach in terms of Mike McCarthy, but he hasn't hired a good GM. He hasn't hired a good team president because he's, he's owning both of those titles. And so while he might be a good owner overall, he's he's maybe 15th in, as a GM, like middle-of-the-road GM, because the, the, the draft picks that they've hit on are their first-rounders. They've had some good late-round picks. Like, you know, Damone Clark is out of LSU, and it's some nice little pieces there, Deron Bland. Um, but overall... At, the, the the decisions to stick with Jason Garrett for so long and just that complacency there coming back with McCarthy again after and as he says hanging around the rim he says acknowledge that we're hanging around the rim it's a good thing to be hanging around the rim sure but eventually you gotta you gotta you gotta get the ball in the rim through the rim um look I mean first of all there's there was a time post three Super Bowls, the Troy Aikman, the Michael Irvin, and all that. There was a time shortly after that that they drafted really bad. They traded very bad. I never forget. Uh, you can go back and look at the Roy Williams trade. That was awful. Okay? So when you go through that era, there was some bad doing. In Jerry's defense, whether it's Steven or somebody holding the they have gotten a lot better in drafting. Okay? But from Matthew's standpoint, again, that's his opinion. I think really what's more factual, because you can hate Jerry. You can say that he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know football. Why did not he just stop talking, mind his own business? Well, the one thing that he has done is he has made a lot of these owners a lot of money. Okay. Do you understand? I mean, there's only been one owner that probably has fought or changed stuff by going through the fire with the league more than Jerry, and he's no longer with us. And that's Al Davis, okay? From holding cities, from being able to relocate if you want to move a team, if you want to hold with the stadium or no, a city's not helping you with the stadium to really fight that and move. He, Al has gone through some battles that basically I would say maybe you can put him above Jerry to a certain extent, but that's pretty much it in my lifetime. So post-merger and in the modern era, you got to think, do you understand Jerry fought the league on the, like, if it wasn't for Jerry all these other 31 teams, 
you wouldn't be able to capitalize on your local sponsor dollars. You wouldn't be able to have who you want to hanging in your stadium because everything before that was unified in the NFL. He did it with Nike. Like the NFL didn't have no deal with Phil Knight and Nike. Jerry bucked that. I think at the time they were, I think all uniform, they had to deal with Reebok or something or somebody. And Jerry's like, nah, you know, at the time with America's team, Phil Knight's here. I remember the game like it was yesterday, Monday Night Football. He had Phil Knight on the sideline, taunting. And a Nike had taunting at that time, um, uh, Pete Rosell. Okay. I, it was, to me, that right there and breaking that mode and showing other owners like, hey, man, there's local regional dollars you can get. We don't have to wait all agree on the NFL. He fought that battle. He fought the court battles on that. The direct TV situation, the negotiations on direct TV and the Sunday ticket, the blackout, the, the, the situation with the cable companies, Time Warner, all that, you know, um, that was pretty much about 13, only like 13 years ago, 14 years ago, you know, fighting them like, hey, nah, man, this is what we're going to do. It was a Green Bay and Dallas game, a regular Thursday game that was going to be blacked out because the cable didn't, they didn't have the TV deal right. He was walking through the courtroom. Robert Kraft has done quite a bit, but Jerry is the guy that has done a lot, you know, business-wise for the league. Jerry was the guy that Jerry's probably one of the main guys and probably one of the main reasons why the NFL made it to Vegas. Without Jerry, the NFL don't make it to Vegas. Without Jerry, Kroenke doesn't get to move from St. Louis and get that property in L.A. that he lied about when he basically brought down and put, punched a bunch of money down on the property. Jerry was there. So, Again, I, I try to be as fair as possible with him, but at the end of the day, he wants to do, he wants to win, but he wants to do it his way. But Matthew saying that he's the best owner, that's that's kind of opinionated. I think you can say he's the owner that's probably done most with the league ally more than probably Al Davis. 877-37-GRIND. All right, so moving on, uh, speaking of hires, uh, we kind of slid this one. Jonah slid this one in on me last yesterday before we got out, uh, but – Oh, pause. I'm sorry. Um, Steelers <laughs> hire offensive coordinator Arthur Smith. Now, with my initial reaction, you can go listen to the podcast, sportsgroundonline.com, as we were signing off, was like, what? Wait a minute. Hold on. You know, because the first thing that comes to my mind is like, damn, did he even know that he had a tight end that could maybe lined up his wide receiver, Michael Pitts? Does he even know that they drafted a running back in the first round that he could utilize more than what he did? Um, does he know that he has an upcoming receiver? You can ask all those questions. But then what I started thinking about this last night, well, first of all, because, again, my memory's bad, but I believe Arthur Smith spent some time with the Titans. Okay. Yep, and okay. helped out Mariota. Okay. So, but the one thing I believe the reason why he was hired with Pittsburgh is because the one thing he created when he was in Tennessee, and that is the able to, now you can sit there and say who he's got, but it, it still comes down to scheme and systematic stuff. But he developed a running game. He ran the ball very good at Tennessee. Now, I don't know what's – and, again, now, keep in mind, the, the theme of the day today, class, is what I started off. Just because you're a good OC doesn't mean you're going to be a good head coach, okay? But if Arthur Smith can concentrate on one unit and one offensive scheme, and what is the one thing Pittsburgh wants to do and what they've been known to do in pride to run the football? So 
the initial thought of this is like, what the hell, Arthur Smith? But then when you start looking at his time at Tennessee and you start looking about how good the running game was with Tennessee was there and you look at what Pittsburgh wants to do, you know, you can kind of maybe justify in regards like, okay, but then you also have to look at what was really Pittsburgh's options. You know, they had to do something. Now, the interesting thing about this before we move on is because I know Rooney I don't know him personally, but, you know, the Rooney family on Pittsburgh, he came out to make it known. And that kind of makes me wonder, like, what really went on in the background. And, you know, when, you know, Mike Tomlin was kind of irritated and, you know, left the podium when he was asked about his contract and all to come back. Rooney went out of the way to let everybody know this is this is Mike. This is on Mike Tomlin. This is his hire. He has full control of who he wants. So what that tells me right there is that Tomlin, regardless of he's the guy that hasn't finished below 500, he hasn't had a losing record, he might not have had all the control that you would think a coach of his tenure and having a Super Bowl and playing or coaching in two would have. So due to the fact that Rooney's put that out, that was kind of interesting to me too. And then you have the news of Arthur Smith being hired. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. You know, I mean, you got to first off, if you're looking at Pittsburgh, you got to wonder who's going to be the quarterback. I mean, these Russell Wilson to Pittsburgh rumors are at an all time high. And I told you all yesterday, I don't really start paying attention to really taking rumors with a grain of salt until we get after the Super Bowl. And then we get probably private workout when free agency starts. Other than that, what you hear right now could be that. But that Russell Wilson to the Pittsburgh Steelers is he up. And, and if so, first of all, we got to find out who the hell is going to be quarterbacking. Who is Arthur Smith going to be talking to through the headset and through his helmet, first off? What do you got? Russ to the Steelers would make that the most expensive division ever. Deshaun's contract, Russ's contract, Burrow's contract, and Lamar's contract. Well, That's just ridiculous. Well, keep in mind... Um, of course, this there's is, other contracts on the rise across the NFL. No, I know, I know what you're saying, but keep in mind this. Russell, if that is true, Russell Wilson will be playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers for like 3 to $4 million, $5 million. He's going to be getting the other 40 from the Pinter Group in Denver. And that's why I said weeks ago, regardless, like Russ's pride might be hurt. I think he's been humbled. Um... But I think when you look at, like I said a few weeks ago, Russ is going to get the same amount of money that he would get if the Denver does not opt out or doesn't meet that March debt. He's getting that 40-something, 45, either way it goes. Whether he's quarterback in Denver, whether he's competing for a starting job in Denver, where he goes starts for Pittsburgh. Because, and I'll tell you this, and we can move on, but I just, to me... If these rumors are true and you make a move for Russell Wilson, there's only two things. I believe wherever Russ goes, for the exceptions of Atlanta, and depending on what they're going to do quarterback-wise, because I think you see in Atlanta, you're probably going to get a Daniels out of LSU in Atlanta. I think that anywhere he goes for the exception, he's going to probably be competing for a starting job. If you go to Pittsburgh – if you're just going to hand it to him and say, hey, we're rolling with Russ because it fits, Arthur feels he can get something out, then, then you might as well just be on the block and on, and on the clock to, to, to look at what you're going to do with Kenny Pickett. Because if I'm Kenny Pickett's agent, I'm not, I'm not sticking around for this. I mean, like, y'all, y'all going to sit there and stick me with Matt Canada, 
And then y'all are going to sit there and put all this on me. And then y'all go get Russ, who if the no, you look at the numbers, everybody like, damn, man, if he gives those numbers to Pittsburgh, they'll win 12 games. Well, you got to not just look at the numbers with Russell Wilson last year, which I think without a doubt he had a way better year. But you got to go and look at the contents of what that is. It's not the same thing, in my opinion. But those rumors are kind of heating up with that. But Russ would uh, Russ be playing for Pittsburgh for like damn near three, four million dollars, man. That contract ain't gonna give him that type of. He just gonna get paid that money that's guaranteed from him from Denver. What do you got? To pivot off of the Arthur Smith news, did you catch there was another uh, offensive coordinator hire in the state of Pennsylvania? Um, in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, with, with Philly, the Eagles, yeah. Uh, offensive, who do they go with? I didn't Kellen Moore. So that came. That must have just came down. No, well, it's actually four days old. It's four days. No, I didn't hear that. Are you sure about that? I didn't hear about Kellen Moore getting hired as the yep. offensive coordinator. Jason Kelsey went on to give it his blessing with Vic Fangio as defensive coordinator. I think they're still working out the contract, but that's yes. All reports. NFL.com GM tra- GM and coaching tracker has it there too. They're finalizing their deal together. So not only are you uh, hmm. bringing in uh, offensive coordinator who has worked with Dak Prescott, yeah. and Justin Herbert for a year, and now you're giving that to Jalen Hurts, uh, but you also bring in a guy who has a lot of familiarity with Dak Prescott, his strengths and weaknesses, and I'm sure you know the Eagles pretty much you know they have good scouting on Dak by this point, but they have somebody in house now. Well. I didn't hear about that one, Shockley. So, but if that's going to be confirmed, um, I think the offense is definitely going to look more creative than it did this year, which I, I stand by what I said with Philly. I think it was more Jalen Hurts' health and something maybe chinked in the armor a little bit in the locker room with chemistry, whether that be A.J. Brown's fault, I don't know. But I will tell you, if that is true and they are going to hire Kellen Moore, then basically it's going to be more creative. I, I think, you know, Kellen Moore's – the what do you want to say the lack of success that he had in the year with the Chargers and this is only because I believe that again they're Harbaugh's bringing in his own staff regardless so it's kind of by a casualty you know you know incidental fire by the way you know but I think there was other factors in that besides to sit there and say Kellen Moore was just awful uh, his first year but that would be interesting that's a nice little storyline 877-37-GRIND sticking with the football uh, get moving away from the coaches and rumors um, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes who are getting ready to try to win their third Super Bowl together um, which Patrick did an interview that I heard and then Travis was on his podcast with his bro and they really kind of came at Justin Tucker you know, remember, you know, Monday I came in here and said there was some type of deal pregame between both teams. And I know NFL, the, the the footage has been released and it's all about pregame. And, you know, it's always those unwritten rules, whether like, hey, don't warm up on our side of the field. Stay over there. Now, granted, Baltimore's at home. They were hosting their first ever AFC championship game. And you have arguably one of the greatest kickers ever to play. He decides to warm up and you know they have those little kicking stands that kickers use he's like he's he's sitting there taking the kicking stand and decides to warm up and set up right in the middle of kansas City. He's like kind of on their goal line side where they're warming up right in front of patrick mahomes and of course patrick had had some words he said that hey i asked him to go ahead and move it he was like hey and then that's when trevor came in killer trev okay um you know the source award to Travis Kelsey showed up. He showed up and be like, hey, man, what, what's what's going on? 
you know, this and that. Now, again, I think Travis has kind of added a little bit to the podcast. I don't know exactly what he said. But to me, I'm just thinking like, um, which credit to Patrick Mahomes. He did say, look, you, you're arguably talking about the best kicker because I got a lot of respect for Justin Tucker. He might be one of the best of all time. But at the end of the day, you know, we're supposed to share the field, you know, in good faith, kind of paraphrasing them. But, you know, and that's just kind of, but I've got all the respect. But I think what I'm hearing Travis is kind of doubled down on it. But, hey, look, man, that's if you, look, you want that. If your kicker's got the apple sack to do that, uh, that's what you like. That's what you love. Uh, maybe if the, you know, offensive side of things, the offensive line, Lamar Jackson, all that, they carried that same type of mentality that day, uh, maybe it would have been a different result. So I thought that was kind of rich. You know, you don't, you normally having a kicker get involved and look, it would take somebody like Justin Tucker because if not, it wouldn't even make news. Um, also sticking with the National Football League, according to, uh, well, first of all, before I get to this, because I don't want to forget about this, fullback. The wife of fullback Kyle Yusick of the 49ers has got a licensing deal with the National Football League, which I'm assuming it's a clothing licensing deal. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up, because I've seen the picture, I've seen her, and I also saw the attire that Miss NFL herself, Taylor Swift, was sporting, you know, the custom Travis Kelsey, long trench coat and all that. Well, Yusick's wife daunted something similar. Now, for whatever reason, she's able to get a licensing deal. But the reason why I bring this up, because, again, women just have, you know, we went through this whole era. And I've said this before, and I say the Me Too movement, which really was the height. What are we, about 2024 right now? 2019 and 2020, I would say two. I didn't go uh, 17 uh, uh, and 18. Yeah, you're right. I, I, you're right. Let's back up a little bit. I would say about 17, 18, really 19 was the height of the Me Too movement. Okay? Stomping in the streets, equal equality, burning bras, the whole nine yards. Okay, yeah, I said it. I've got something to add to this when I came across this because I'm wondering, like, wow. I mean, what is it that women can't get away with? When we get back, we'll talk about that. Also, we'll search uh, transition, I should say, into the National Basketball Association as well. You listen to the Sports Grind. We'll be back. When life sounds too much like this. It's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave. Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. 
Spec says you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 